Hello and welcome to Until We Arise podcast. Today's episode is entitled Love is Boundaries with Belen Gonzalez. Hello and welcome to Until We Arise. My name is Rachel and here's where we bridge a divided people to loving community, empowering resources, and a compassionate Christ. Hi, I'm Vettel, and I am the co-founder and CFO of Until We Arise, and our vision is to build a thriving global community of women who combat injustice and oppression through love and compassion. And today, yeah, hi, today we are recording live from Los Angeles and Tijuana, yeah, Baja California in the house. And <laughs> we're super excited to be here. We have a very special guest that you guys are going to love. Um, this is the kind of episode that is going to transform your life. So you don't want to miss it. Stay, share it, connect with people, get them on board with this. Um, I feel emotional just in preparing for it. So Veto, would you tell us a little bit more about our guest? Yeah. So I'll share very briefly. Um, this guest is actually someone who helped me get into the social service um, realm. I was starting to have a heart for it. And I remember sharing it with some people. And then one day she messaged me and was like, friend, they're hiring at my job. Send me your resume. Sorry, there's a helicopter. Um, okay, you're in Tijuana. We'll excuse it. It's La Migra. Sorry, y'all. Um, <laughs> but I, it's for real that's what's hard it's for real <laughs> but anyway so she was like send me a resume friend and i was like yeah i'll see and then she was like so long story she was like hounding me like send me a resume send me a resume and i was just like i'm not really looking for like a new job right now and she's like trust me this is the job for you so finally i sent her my resume and she was um able to put in a word for me and I was interviewed. And once I was interviewed, I realized that this really was the job for me. And so she helped me get my, um, my job at St. Joseph center. Um, so it was just such a blessing and she's been a blessing overall. She's been a great friend. I didn't realize like how much about her. I didn't know when I met her, but then as we just got to know each other and just seeing her overcome so many things has been such, um, such a blessing. And so, Without any and she's a beast. She she's a beast. She's a beast. She'd be lifting weights and like hardcore squatting. I'm on like at like five like in the morning. I'm five like in the morning out of bed on a good day at five. If not, I'm definitely still in my dreams at five. Um, on a good day, I'm at five waking up. It's an ungodly hour. <laughs> <laughs> but so to introduce to you guys, um, we are having today Belen. Gonzalez, and she Yay. is a licensed clinical social worker, um, and she's also a practicing clinician in community mental health. She's currently working on her PhD in counseling, and will be starting at um, full time. Sorry, she'll be starting full time at Life Pacific University's psychology department. She is also married and has four children, ranging from ages eight to twenty-one. That's a big range. And um, her and her husband have been serving in youth and young adult ministry for over 10 years and have recently started serving um, yet again in young adult ministry at their church, New Life Moreno Valley. So why don't you join me in welcoming Belen? Yay! Hey! Welcome, Belen. Hello, ladies. What a, what a warm welcome. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. We're glad you're here. Thank you. Yeah, we're, 
We're very honored to have you here. Very honored. And, and just seeing the more I, I was saying, I told you off camera, but I was just like, Vero like speaks highly of you and your significance in her life. And I know that we wouldn't have started until we arrived had that seed not been planted at that time. And it's all of us working in our part, doing our part, even with the little things that bring us to where we are. So it's an honor to have you. Oh, thank you. It's an honor to be here. I think very highly of both of you ladies. Um, and Beto, I, I recall that uh, about you coming into St. Joseph. And I will tell you this, when that position opened, nobody else came to mind but you. It was just your mm -hmm. face right there. And I was like, this mm -hmm. is perfect. It's a perfect fit. And I'm so glad that, that you loved it and that you got, you know, it was so rewarding for you. But I knew in my heart it, that was for you. <laughs> we're like so I, I kept delaying i was like oh, i'll send it to her later i was like i'm not really looking right now and you're like send me your resume and i was like okay <laughs> but it was it was such a blessing i was like middle stop playing around <laughs> seriously but i'm grateful i'm grateful you you insisted and you didn't you didn't let down so i appreciate it so i have a question before we get into our interview questions like how do you do it all you are getting your PhD in counseling. You are practicing, like you said, like a therapist for a nonprofit, basically is what you said, right? You um, are going into Life Pacific as a, like a full-time, like in August. You do youth, I mean, you're doing young, young adult ministry. You, you have four kids and then you make it look good. Like, how do you, and you work out, like, how do you do this? <laughs> Uh, with lots and lots of grace from Jesus. <laughs> I think, um, interestingly enough, a lot of those things are kind of connected. A lot mm. of those things kind of inform each other. Like being in a PhD helps me be a better clinician. Um, learning about humanity and people helps me be a better parent. Um, mm. Young Working ministry with young adults, it's really just relational. So I think a lot of those things kind of bleed into each other. Mm -hmm. um, but also like more more tangible advice. Uh, I have a lot of support. I have a very supportive and loving husband who just kind of like bends and sways to the season and he shows up in different ways. Um, so he's, he's really been like a foundation to a lot of that success for sure. Oh, that's so good. Did you always... Did you always, or did you, when you were younger, did you ever imagine you'd be living this life where you're living it now? Like being like about to be, a, have a, a doctorate degree and like, is this who you pictured when you were little? What did you picture absolutely, yourself? Absolutely as? not. I don't know. I mean, when I was like five, I wanted to be a doctor, like a medical doctor. Right. But I don't know. I feel like a lot of kids say that. Um, but uh, I think uh, with every season, God reveals a little bit more of the plan and it's nice it's like a surprise and then there's hope and then there's faith attached to it and then there's like challenge and overcoming that challenge like and every season i feel like god surprises me with a little more and uh it's it's been beautiful i think it is like yeah. that's awesome yeah, yeah sometimes i think when we i don't know when we're little we're like i gotta do this this is the thing and i gotta find my way to get there and god's like sounds good how about you the next thing I told you to do today and I'll give you the next step. And it's like, it's not to say not to have goals, but it's that peace with sitting in like 
one step at a time, right? Mm -hmm. To get to that next place, you know? Because I know I wouldn't have started. So I I had no view of starting until we arise. Like, even I was telling you about Elia's gift. Like, even this time last year, Elia's gift was not on my radar. It was just like everything felt vague. And now it's like, oh, this is, this feels right. It's exactly where I'm supposed to be, you know? Um, that's so amazing. I don't know if you wanted to say anything better before I ask the first question, because I'm about to get into it. <laughs> no, I'll just say, like, that's that's how the Lord works. Like you said, you know, there's just, you don't, I think a lot of us are living lives today that we didn't think, like, we just didn't think we're part of the plan or just like, well, what? How, did, how did I end up here? And sometimes it's not a positive thing, right? Sometimes it's a negative yeah. thing, but when it's a positive thing, it's so beautiful. Like, I remember one of the first weeks we got here in Tijuana and my husband and I were, we bought bolillo because there's a bakery right next to our church. So we got out of church, got, got some bolillo and we're walking home because we live really close to church. And I'm like holding his arm, we're eating our bolillo walking home. And I just like had this like view of the whole like scenario and realized I never would have imagined this to happen in my life. Like living in Tijuana, first of all, definitely not part of my plan, I'll say that. Um, and then married to an Asian man, cause that's like, I've told him, I'm like, that wasn't my typical like style of the guy I would go for like that wasn't my type but he's totally my type um and then just like like and then we're like living together in Tijuana like not just me but both of us and doing this life and going to this bilingual church and being connected it's just like it's crazy so yeah it's beautiful how I think it's um very smart of the Lord not to show us sometimes because <laughs> <laughs> probably ruin it. I'd probably be with a different Asian guy living in the hood of Tijuana and not being excited about it. That's so. hilarious. If the Lord had showed you, oh, it's going to be an Asian man, I'd be on the lookout for all the Asian men. <laughs> and then all the K-pop stuff, it would be like, oh yeah, for sure. Like maybe I'd end up with a Korean guy. So I... <laughs> Like, calm it down. Calm it down. <laughs> Stop trying to make the dream happen. Trust the Lord. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, man. But yeah, that like step by step. And it's so, it's so wonderful to see how. I know. I feel like if Miguel knew uh, the kind of woman his wife would become, he'd probably be like, oh, no thanks. It's too much work. I'm not ready. <laughs> I'll pass. Not for. How long have you guys been together? We've been together for 18 years. Wow. And I know I'm so young and beautiful. How could that be? But yes, we have. <laughs> and humble. And humble. <laughs> <It's a gift. laughs> no, that's amazing. 18 years. Wow. 18 yeah. Years. So how, are you different? Do you feel like you're a different person than you were 18 years ago? How, how are you different? Oh, absolutely. Um, oh, we met when I was a teenager, still 17 when we met. Uh -huh. uh, and we married really young. I was 19 when, when we married, which is, it was uh, a thing, right? Like you, you're in the church and you marry young, at least in our church. That was appropriate for our culture, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I've definitely matured, I hope. I'm 35 now. <laughs> um, and I think we have uh, we have influenced each other very much in mm. in our like development, right? 
So I'm, uh, I have a secure attachment now. I'm more outgoing now. I feel more secure um, in, in my projects. And I think that's, that's um, direct relation to like being married to him. That's so beautiful. Yeah. And, and today our topic is love. Okay. And, and when, when we do this, like we've had a conversation about friendship, love, um, mother love, like, you know, with having lost children, um, uh, we've had conversations about just, you know, um, mother, a father's love, you know, and we've had a lot of different conversations, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think it's related. I mean, I love to hear that your love story <laughs> is, is so integral to your development as an adult. And that's really beautiful to discuss that. Um, but today we like, we can talk about whatever. So it's your, it's your show. What we're going to, what we also talk about is God's love, right? It's all mm -hmm. of it. Cause all of it comes from the Lord, you know, his it's, mm -hmm. he's the definition of love for us. And so wherever it goes. So my first question for you, Belen, are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Our first question is love is, what what is love to you mm -hmm. so love to me and this is not going to sound like it's a very loving word but love to me is healthy boundaries mm. yes um and if i can elaborate on that a little bit so yeah. boundaries just as a simple definition is clearly defined lines of land right what belongs to me and what belongs to you Mm -hmm. um, so to me, healthy boundaries in a, in a relationship is uh, to kind of like know your stuff, right? Mm -hmm. To know what belongs to you in a relationship, your feelings, your thoughts, your emotions, mm -hmm. to be very aware and to have stewardship, right? To have responsible care for those things as, as you're showing up in these different relationships. Um, but it also means respecting others, people's land, right? <laughs> mm, mm, yeah. Things that are important to other people, mm -hmm. uh, understanding them, listening to them, being aware, um, and being very respectful. And I, and I wish I would have talked about Miguelna because we just like hacked them up so much. But in <sighs> today, <laughs> I you can like still talk about Miguel. All of it works. <laughs> Just wherever, don't come up. Don't, don't come up. <laughs> wherever it comes up, we're here for it. Um, but I, I think for today, and, and this is kind of like where my reflection and my writing went, and what way I thought about this interview. I want to talk about boundaries as like intergenerational, right? Like boundaries with my parents, boundaries with my children, um, and and how those um, help me to communicate love to them and, and how to receive love from them mm. as well. So when you speak intergenerational, you're saying um, for those people who, you know, may not fully understand that you're speaking of, like you defined it, like that relation, the setting boundaries between you and your children or your children and you and your parents, you and your parents, or even your, your children and your parents, right? Like how it crosses in between setting healthy relationships, like with those, that age gap, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I think it's like, um, we discussed previously how challenging that can be. And it's something that is not talked about, right? Like we do not 
believe that we should have boundaries. We're emotional beings, right? We're you have like I have this goes everywhere. So I'm glad you're talking about intergenerational, right? So within family, but even with friendships, man, like like I've like had to learn to develop and say, hey, hold up, like I know you're my ride or die, but like you're not my everything. Like, and I'm not gonna be your everything. I can't. Like, there have to be like spaces like we i i have to be okay with you not always being there every time i call and and that's not a normal thing right like mm-hmm. when i'm calling my my friends i'm like you weren't there when i needed you you weren't there i could say that and put a heavy on my friendships but sometimes god is like i wanted to be there for you so mm-hmm. it's healthy that they weren't there yeah yeah and so like not being disappointed, but learning, okay, wait, how do I navigate that? How do I teach people that I can't be their everything? <laughs> and yeah. um, I can't expect them to be my everything either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that, it feels like that was kind of where we were going. Is Hopefully yeah. I'm not too off. <laughs> no, I love, I love that you said that because when, uh, as we move through the interview, I want to touch back on that. On you can not- talk on it now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're not in any order, just flow. And then I'll, I'll flow through it. Don't worry. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Um, so I think, I think you're right. You know, sometimes we want to take the position that God has in the life of others. Mm. Right? Um, and it's, it's really hard to kind of respect where God wants to step in and do his thing. Right. Mm. When we don't have healthy boundaries, because we feel like we have to do something, like we have to get in the mix, we have to fix it, we, you know, um, but you're right, having healthy boundaries allows us to see like the hand of God in the lives of others and in the lives, in our lives as well. Yeah, I'm going to follow up with the next question um, about a time it was challenging for you, Um, but I think like one of the things that just like it pops up to me just just after what you're saying first is the idea of like ministry like relational ministry is really challenging in that way like a lot of times when we don't have healthy boundaries as ministers or people who are charged with leading people Mm -hmm. man that can be really dangerous too and i know all of us have that like i want to fix you When someone's broken, you just want to like soup them up in your arms and be like, this is how you love Jesus. This is how, look, this is how you surrender. And, and sometimes like, like what you said, it's like, like you kind of, you can't, you got to set the boundaries and loving them and setting those boundaries and hands off or, or like, oh, this crosses the boundary. But Lord, you told me to like, like learning what that, how to navigate that and saying, okay, Lord, help me to be led by you because he will never give us boundaries that are not sustainable. Like the Lord will give us boundaries that are sustainable. And sometimes Mm -hmm. when our own flesh, we set up boundaries that are not sustainable. So we're like, no, I will never go to someone's house that I don't know. And he's like, that's your boundary. I say go into that house. <laughs> and you're like, but yeah. I, I don't want to set up my boundaries. Like, Lord, that's like, he's like, Mija, I said, listen to me. This is not your homie down the street. It's God. I'm telling you, go into that house because this is a safe boundary. I'm going to teach you how to navigate that. Yeah. You know, he does that, but it has to be the Lord. And I've learned that in ministries, friendships, and everything. Um, Absolutely. So, but, mm-hmm. so I'm sorry. <laughs> 
I'm just like so excited. I have so many things to say. I know. So let's jump into the question then. Uh-huh. Tell me about a time because if you like you sound like you even have all the verbiage correct on like a verbiage on 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 boundaries. Like she is a pro. Like I'm talking to a doctoral candidate here, right? Like she is the business. And so when you talk about love being boundaries, love is making boundaries or having boundaries. Mm-hmm. Have you had a time in your life when um, that definition of love and set and creating boundaries has been challenged? And if you don't mind sharing that with us. Yes, absolutely. So boundaries is something that's uh, very tied to my relationship with God. And it's something that he he is the one who taught me about boundaries <laughs> in his word. Right. And he mm-hmm. teaches me that boundaries um, are there to serve me, to protect me to keep me from being um, in bondage of things or, or people or places, right? And, and these boundaries help me experience freedom, the fullness of freedom that he has intended for me, right? But as um, a first-gen Mexican woman, <laughs> boundaries is not something that we are taught. And if you try to have a boundary, <laughs> it is very much challenged by... <laughs> exactly right the family is like what is wrong with you <laughs> so boundaries is something that i have just began to develop with the lord like you said with the guidance of god right and i mm-hmm. started feeling a lot of conviction about setting boundaries with with my mother oh lord there we go <laughs> she cracked it open that is the one we do not want to talk about with latino mommies <laughs> with my beautiful mama bear who gave me all of that beast mode strength that you see at 5 a.m <laughs> my my high achiever super smart mother right like i have so many of her traits and and, and i and i love her and i honor her mm-hmm. and i know that god wanted me to develop these boundaries to show her love. Mm. Uh, and so um, and my mom also suffers uh, from a mood disorder. Um, and, and we go back into this like cultural thing, right? Um, she was uh, untreated and unmedicated for most of her life until um, her 40s, actually. Um, and so my mom just recently started receiving like the medical attention and the treatment that maybe we would have received much, much sooner. Right. Um, and so because she has this uh, mood disorder and, and it's, and it's been untreated, her, her life has had seasons of chaos, right? Mm-hmm. She's not, she, she's never been prepared or she's never been taught how to handle, um, but those kind of seasons of chaos bleed onto the life of her children, right? Yeah. And we were raised in that, <laughs> right? We were raised in that. But as an adult, as a married woman, um, and as a family that I now protect and I love too, um, there, a, a few years ago, my, my mom wanted to move in with us. She wanted to move in with our family. Um, However, she was not taking good care of herself and she was going through a lot of things and um, a lot of like interpersonal issues with her partner um, and, and, and honestly not, not willing to engage in treatment. And so I had to very painfully um, tell her that, that she could not move in with us at that time. Mm. Um, and can you imagine 
Can you imagine telling mm. your mom in a time of need, you know, mm. that she can't move in with you? Like, what kind of person does that? What kind of daughter does that, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was challenging for me to uphold that boundary because it didn't feel like love. It didn't feel like I was showing my mother love and she definitely did not receive it as love, right? Yeah. Yeah. It felt very painful for both of us. Um, but understanding that, that holding that boundary was going to hopefully encourage her, or motivate her to seek the help that she needed at that time, but was also going to allow me to continue to show up as a supportive daughter. Hmm. Because I knew that if she was in our space and, and not well, that I, I would probably be resentful against her, you know? probably be very angry with her and no longer be able to show myself as a loving daughter, right? No longer be able to see her strengths and her virtues and her beauty and all of these things that I inherited from her. (laughs) 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 But but that I would be blindsided, right? Mm -hmm. So upholding that boundary was really important so that I could continue to love her, even though it didn't feel that way um, Mm -hmm. when it was happening. I have a couple questions for you. Um, yeah. Because I feel like you jumped like 17 steps. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not, sorry. It's just the reality. Like, you know, because it's like you're you're summarizing like the reality of what it's like, you know, and you got to the end of that. And to some extent, I know you're probably still working through because that's life and that's relationships. But like, why was it such a huge deal for you to... Um, I mean, I know you said it, but like maybe going back to childhood, like what were, were there like specific things that were like, that really affected you? Were there times that you recall, like when you, when she said, can I move back in? That was like, uh-uh, I remember this, this, and this, like they said, okay, it's a red flag that I, I, I can't. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we were raised in a very strict household and we were disciplined you know, accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I do see my mom with a lot of um, empathy. And I, I think my professional, my professional side and my education has allowed me to kind of conceptualize her differently. Yeah. But the truth is that she wasn't a safe person when I was growing up. And that, what does and that, that mean? Yeah, for people, I, I'm, I'm only pri- not trying to pry, but so that people yeah. who are in those, I'm not trying to pry, but I know that people who are in those same kind of situations won't be able to identify it. They'll say like, no, I got, it's, my mom's not that bad. It's not that hard. It's like, no, I should do that because I got to ride or die for my mom. You know what I mean? And not yeah. understanding what would be those things that say, how, what does it mean that your mom wasn't safe? Like you're, you're alive. What are you talking about? The grace of God. I know. <laughs> like, I'll, say this. I'll say this. So it's not all on you. Like, you know, yeah. for me, um, I have a great relationship with my mom and my mom does not have a mood disorder that I know of. <laughs> like, I'm not a clinician, so I don't know what she got. Um, but both, like we all are raised in trauma, right? Like, so my parents have trauma that they brought with them and we have to work through it. Like my mom and my dad, I'll just be honest, like things mm-hmm. that I've inherited and I've had to be intentional to lean into and say, whoa, like I should not punch this wall. Um, no, like I don't need to go 
isolate myself in depression, like things like this that um, like I've had to learn to navigate out of, mm-hmm. but as safe and loving as my parents were in terms of like, no, Miha, this is a safe place for you. Talk about it. And my parents were very loving. There was a season in my life where it didn't feel safe there because of sometimes the 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 things that they would just do and how they communicated. Yelling caused their their arguments would cause anxiety for me and I I would just run. And now I've learned how to lean in, but I had to set that boundary for me for a while and maybe that boundary changed after healing happened, but for me I couldn't be in the house. And part of me running and escaping was to get out of the anxiety that they caused me from arguing and fighting. And I had to learn how to navigate and how to commu- say, hey, these are the things I need. And so, um, and it, it's one of the things my mom was talking about recently was like, even, I don't think they realized how a tra- much of a traumatic effect it had on me. Like, they, I think they read um, my book and I think they, my mom was like, mm, I didn't know it was hurting you like that. And I was like middle schooler, already anxious about school and trying to be an overachiever. And then they would have whatever they're tripping on. And I would be so overwhelmed. I would go hide in the closet and cry. And I would just try to breathe and control my breathing. And I didn't know how to handle it. I just was like, go. I, I The anxiousness. I was having anxiety attacks. But nobody knew. And so not until I became an adult that it really started like, oh, that's what it is. And they didn't know how much as it's affecting me because I still produced, you know, I would still come out and got this. I got the, I got the grade done. I finished it. I'm smiling. I'm happy. Every, nobody would know, but they would almost laugh at me for being in the closet. I wasn't yeah. in the closet, but you know what I mean? Hiding yeah. in the closet with my own emotion, you know, cause that's where I would go to be alone, yeah. you know? And I just, I'm sharing this not to like overshadow it, but to understand like, those were the things that with all the love and you, Veto, you know, my mom and dad, they're so loving, so thoughtful. They listen. Let's talk through it. Me, I care about you, all that stuff. But yet, like it was traumatic and it wasn't always safe there. I wasn't, it didn't feel safe for me to, to admit that I had this emotional, I would call it like at that point, it felt like a weakness to show them that it was too, it was, it was causing me anxiety. Ah, just toughen up like why are you don't be don't be so like don't be so dramatic you know and i'm like it's not so dramatic it's trauma you know i almost want to cry i'm emotional because it was hard you know to think about those seasons and i mean we're not there anymore but it was hard so i don't know mm-hmm. that's why i describe i'm asking more about safety yeah. no no thank you for thank you for sharing that with me too i didn't know that about you mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so thank you for sharing that. Um, I, 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 I think I understand. So the examples are helpful for people to understand, to relate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so my mom was very physically abusive, right? She would hit us several times a week or I'll speak for myself. Um, and, um, you know, I, I remember growing up with the sense of feeling like there was something wrong with me, uh, that I was responsible for my mom not being okay for my mom being angry. I grew up kind of like feeling like something was wrong, you know, like I, I was the problem. And I, that was like a, that feeling lingered throughout my childhood. And I'm sure I suffered from depression, but I I didn't know, you know, Mm -hmm. like you said, like, I didn't know that, that language, how do you communicate that? And, Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, you said you wrote a book and your mom read it and, and she's like, I don't know. <laughs> my experience was different. I'll tell you this too. When I tried to have conversations with my mother about that season, um, it's, it's a very invalidating experience. Mm -hmm. She didn't live it that way. And it's not her story. Mm. Wow. That's really hard. Cause it's one thing to say, I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm sensitive and I'm saying, I'm sorry I had that happen. But for someone to, and I think that you're speaking, you're speaking to people who experience that. Yeah. There's a lot of moms and a lot of dads and a lot of uncles and aunts and teachers and other people say that wasn't how I saw it. And they yeah. won't. I think that's so powerful. So what was that like? Like, how did you know, or how did you navigate that if it wasn't validating? Um, Right. So these are conversations that I've never been able to process with her. These are conversations that I've had to process through therapy and mm. done my part, right? Mm. How do I heal? How do I forgive? How do I not repeat the cycle? Mm. Um, how do I how do I show up differently? And so it's a lot of work that has taken many years, and I'm sure I'm not done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm sure I'm not done. And sometimes I wonder why so much education? Am I still looking for answers? I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's hard. It's hard because you can't, again, boundaries, right? I, I can't control and I can't force her to show up any differently. And, and can I still love her even if she doesn't? <laughs> um, and so you, you're right, you know, in, in that instance, when she asks for help, then the, the little Belen, right? The inner child says, wait, 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 uh, 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 wait, <laughs> I don't know. Like, is this okay? Are your kids going to be okay? Are you going to be okay? And so, yeah, de definitely there was that kind of triggering of like, you know, this is unsafe. It's, it's mm. probably not a good idea. Especially if she hasn't been able to, um, even in conversation, be a safe place. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think what what's challenging in that is sometimes, I, hmm, like even when we talked about last time, humble yourself, right? That's what, that was what we talked about last week. When we talk about humility and humbling ourselves, like I remember it just feels like, don't tell me to do that if I've already been humbled to the max. I've been fighting my whole life to exist and say that I deserve a space. And you're telling me to slow down and calm down. Like I'm tired of being calmed down a little. Um, stop trying to hold me back. And I think the hard thing is like, it almost feels like a kid having then to still be the grown up, right? Like I deserve a mom who listens. I deserve this. Wait a minute. I know the logic now. I should be validated. Mom, if anybody in the world is like, you should be validating me. Like you should accept as like, you're supposed to be the grown up here. And it's hard because she doesn't have that capacity to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and accepting like, okay. So I, and Vettel, did you want to speak into anything? I would, I'd like to give you an opportunity. <laughs> She's up to absorbing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if not, I have a follow-up question, so don't worry. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I think, um, cause I, I've had my own set boundaries with my mom, which, you know, my mom, um, and you know, it's, it's not easy just alone, the Latino, um, being a Latina, you know, and doing that and being the oldest. And I know like, we share that, like being the oldest mm -hmm. and then setting that boundary. Yeah. And having to set that boundary, like it's hard. It's hard to do that because to an extent, like you become uh, a partner with them. 
whether even like I know like Rachel, you're you have your dad, and I know like you know there was times where he was um, out of the picture because of you shared in your book. So I don't feel like I'm sharing something that's not. My daddy was in jail. Yeah. <laughs> my daddy went to jail. <laughs> uh, Why know, you put my story out there? I'm gonna tell not, dad. It's it's on Amazon actually. Um, go pick it up, guys. But <laughs> but like I didn't have a dad in the picture, so I was like the other partner, and you like unintentionally because i'm like the oldest so like grow up quickly and you got to help and be there and all of that and it bleeds into adulthood and like you said you start learning things and you're like wait that wasn't my role um you know or even some of the things that you experience and realize like you want to be upset at them but at the same time recognizing they didn't know any better either or they like you said you know like your mom like she couldn't have like didn't know what it was that was affecting her, you know? And then you think of like what they went through as a ch as children and how that have impacted them, you know? And I remember one time having a conversation with my mom about, because I think I had said something about how I had been hurt growing up or something like that. And yeah. she took it really offensively, like you said, like their, their side of the story looks different than our side at times, you know? And so I remember in trying to validate even her, like I said, like, you weren't meant to be a dad. Like you were meant to be a mom. You weren't meant to do both roles. You know, you weren't meant to be both mom and dad. Of course you weren't going to do that. Right. Because that's not what you were meant to do. And somehow that still was like a, a comment that created offense in her. And I just realized like some of these things, I just need to find that healing for myself and, and process some of these things on my own. And even if it's just a revelation for me to help me now know, how to how to forgive her more and how to give her the grace she needs and know um like it wasn't me you know and be okay with that and knowing that sometimes it's just for my own healing you know kind of like when people are like you have to learn how to forgive even if you never get that apology it's it's kind of like that you know but i think what i do want to touch a little bit on is like you said being able to set boundaries so that you could still show up as a daughter and i think like that's so um man, that's so deep <laughs> just because it's like part of the wanting not to have boundaries is you want to be a good daughter, right? Like you want to be there as a daughter for your mom. Like you said, like you feel this guilt of like, how am I, how is this being a good daughter? If I'm not like the one thing she's asking, I can say no to, but if, if she was there and like you said, you could have had resentment or even just like, being desensitized to her to the extent that when she does have this moment of really needing you, you're just like, nah, I've been dealing with you for the past month because you've been living here. Don't go, go cry to somebody else. And that's really the time that she needs you, you know? And so being able to have that discernment that the Lord has been guiding you through this of, I, I have to say no to this because when you, I, you really need me to say yes, I want to be able to be there to say yes to you. And I think like, I guess I would ask, like, how, how do you, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, I think that was the question. I actually, I think it'll go into this. How do you move past the guilt into a place of compassion? Like, that's what it seems like is happening. And maybe I'm wrong because like, it seems like, okay, I got to like not dwell on the guilt that I feel and actually move and be led by compassion. How, yeah. And if I I'm, think I'm even in alignment that I'll add a little bit to that, not to, like with like not being moved by compassion, but being, I mean, not being moved by guilt, but by compassion, but also not being moved by your, like 
by any anger or resentment from the past because yeah, sometimes yeah. I, in the in the name of I'm setting boundaries or I got to take care of myself we don't realize we do it in not a loving way mm -hmm. like you've hurt me so much I'm putting up my boundaries now because you've been doing this this and this and this so here's my boundary and you can't come any closer than this and it's not so much so I can show up when you need me to, but it's like, I'm tired of showing up. So I need to put this boundary. Like, so how that do you find different. that balance between the two of not putting up boundaries because you feel guilty, but then not putting up, but putting up boundaries because you're fed up and you're done with it and you don't want to hear anything from them anymore. Like, how do you balance that? You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I've seen that, I've seen that kind of like, um, I'm setting this boundary because I'm done with you. I want nothing to do with you, right? And to me, that doesn't speak of healing. It sounds like healing, but it's really not healing. And then mm -hmm. if you think about like a family systems theory, that's cut off. And it's um, it's very common to happen, again, in multiple generations, right? Like my parents mm -hmm. cut their parents off, so I cut my parents off, my children cut me off. Like it's a thing mm -hmm. that happens in families, right? Mm -hmm. like, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Who, like, like who blocks you? Like, you know, who blocks you on social media? Who blocks your phone? Right? Like, that's one way to be like, I'm separating myself from you, right? I've seen mm -hmm. it. Um, it's been done to me. It feels awful. Um, I think for me, and, you know, moving forward has been a process. Um, like I said, I think my, my, my education has allowed me to learn a lot about my family and myself and how I function. But more than anything, I, I think it's my convictions, my convictions of grace and healing and mm. um, what it's not called restoration, what, what, reconciliation, right? Like, mm -hmm. this is who am I? Mm -hmm. if I cannot forgive her. Who am I if I cannot show compassion? If I'm walking the walk, you know, I need Jesus to show me how to have compassion and love for her. And when I am setting these boundaries, they need to be for the right reason, right? Yeah. And and maybe some people are completely abusive and they do need to be cut off because there's no way to continue that that relationship. And and I understand that. There's cases like that, right? But I don't feel like that's my case. And I really feel it was my convictions and my relationship with God that said this is the way you have to do it um yeah that that's what it was like it that that it was part of my healing and how did you have that conversation with the lord because it, it feels like that is like uh, yeah how, how did you how did you navigate that with the lord because it seems easy but that process is hard yeah no it was not easy like i mean like like I just had to go with the grace of the Lord and his compassion and all that. And it's like, cause like we hear that. Like, right? really nice, huh? No, yeah, we all do. We're like, cause I can tell you like, you know, like me and my mom have reconciled and we have a beautiful relationship now. We allow, like say things like this. We allowed the Lord in. Uh-huh. What does that mean? I allow <laughs> hyper spiritualize it. Yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah, well. and we do. You know, but it's true because it is hyper spiritual and it is powerful and it is supernatural. It's not just me yeah. myself, like, and that's the fusion of like this beauty, right? It's like this, like, I need to get therapy because I need to learn these tools, but I also need to submit to Jesus. Like, I need both of these things. I need this, all of it together. Yes. I need it together. I need relation. I need to, because <laughs> if not, like you said, I don't want the cutoff. 
That's what I said. People cut me off all the time, but I don't want the cut off. I want to be able to say, hey, can we reconcile this? Can we come together? Can we solve? Even if that means we don't see each other every day, even if that means we only talk once a month, you know, or whatever that is, or we avoid certain topics that are going to be offensive. Like, okay, we won't talk about that, you know, but the cutoff is, is crucial. So how do you, how did you come back to... Like, how did that spiritual side happen? How did I talk to God about it? Was yeah, it like, how did you do that? <laughs> what was that like for you? Well, this is what I have learned from my relationship with God, right? You don't have to fake it, right? Thank you you, don't, you yes. don't need to lie to kick it, is what I have understood from being God. You don't need to lie to kick it. Come here. You ain't got to lie to kick it. <laughs> come here with all that you have. You're angry at your mom. Tell me that you're angry. You know, like, show me what you got. And it was just like that. She did this. She did that. I feel this. I want to do this. Very real. Very raw. God is not overwhelmed by my emotions. He can handle (laughs) He can handle my emotions. He's never like, oh, my God, Belen, how dare you? Like, no, he's got it. (laughs) So I can be very real. Like, I do a lot of journaling that kind of helps me get stuff out and process it. I don't filter it. I just write it. Right. And, And part of me writing is just like, okay, I'm giving it to you mess messy how whatever comes out and then throughout the day or throughout the week he'll speak to me someone will tell me something i'll read something i'll hear his voice but he's answering all the things that i that i gave him because he's not overwhelmed with my mess so i can bring it to him that is such a simple and powerful truth (laughs) like i was thinking about it like because i have really feel like i have been healed from like depression because I struggled for years but I mean with like extreme depression right and suicide and suicidal thoughts like not to acting them out um but it was really tormenting for many years and I just recall like I know I've been freed from it but it still like tries to jump in when things get hard right like when there's something disappointing or frustrating like oh and I just like I, I found my strategies, like my coping that are healthy. I it includes community. It compu- it includes Jesus <laughs> and it includes journaling. Um, and it's funny because for me, sometimes like I'm very private about my journals. No, you can't take a piece of paper out of my journal. No, you can't read my journal because Holy Rachel might be like, you know what? I can't stand that. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> and I know, I know. I, and this next page will be all Psalm 91. But like, if I'm frustrated and I'm angry, I don't really cuss that much in my journal. I think it's been only really extreme times when I'm angry, then I feel guilty. And I'm like, Lord, I'm sorry. And I cross it out. But like... <laughs> But I have found myself in a spiral that felt so desperate that I didn't want to keep that in. And I think we have these, like, we want to treat God because he's holy and he's honorable. And we've learned that there's reverence before a holy God that we think we have to put on like, um, like fancy gloves or what is it like <laughs> special gloves to talk to him. We have to be, treat him gently because he can't handle us. Like, and I love that the Bible talks about him being not just our father and our Lord, but he's our friend, mm-hmm. you know, and it's all of that, 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 that makes it special. So I, that's like profound and simple. Like he can handle, he can, and you ain't got to lie to kick it. Like <laughs> you can quote me on that one. <laughs> Hashtag, you ain't got to lie to kick it. 
Love That's is. gonna be the title of the episode. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Love is you ain't gotta lie to kick it. <laughs> Doctor <Doctora> Belen. <laughs> well, um, but I don't know. Did you want to speak to that at all, or no? I no. I no. Good though, huh? No, I just I. It's. I feel like it would just be um, reiterating the same thing. Like no way. Just being honest with the Lord and being raw, like, and I think that's, it's so simple, you know, it's so simple and people could be like, oh, but like literally just be real. And I know like in those moments, it's probably the closest I felt to the Lord than times, you know, it's in the moments where I am in my fully broken self in, in the mess of everything and the frustration of everything and just laying it out before God and crying out to him, like literally crying out like yelling like where are you in this um you know like a lot of those moments end up feeling so peaceful afterwards it's like the peace after the calm and it just reminds me like god's like there like you know as a parent should be at times you know like when you're when your child is having a tantrum and everything then your parent comes like calms it all down and shit like shushes it not in a like um disregarding but in a calming way like it's it's okay it's gonna be okay I'm here now and I feel like I've had many of those moments with the Lord right after moments of the chaotic storm that comes with battle sometimes that's so good and I'll actually speak to that just briefly before I ask our final question and you can share whatever else you want but um it's because we're used to lying we are used to lying to protect people, to protect ourselves. And I think it's really a dangerous thing. So when we come to approach God, we don't want to tell him how we really feel because we've gotten so accustomed to telling people kind of what we feel to not hurt their feelings, right? Like, like, cause they might not validate it if we tell them, right? Like, just like what you described, Belen, like they might not be like, oh, Mija, really? I had no clue. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I'm sorry. They may not say that. Mm-hmm. And so when we approach God, if he's our father, I say father because we put like the same label as our our human father on him in a way. You know what I mean? I know he's our father, but we, we have that same idea. We put that idea on him. And we think if I tell him the truth, what if he doesn't accept me? What if he doesn't validate what I'm feeling when I'm talking to him? what if I I went too far? And he's like, oh, well, that would have been okay. But now you went too far. How dare you? Now you're going to be blaspheming me and you're going, you know, like we fear that. But I agree with you, Vero. Like it's that when I'm laid out on the floor, crying out to God, completely spiritually naked, saying, I'm showing you all the truth. I'm showing you all my cards, God. There's no one area. I'm, I'm mad about this, 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 and this. I'm hurt by this, 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 and this. Then we can say, oh, and it feels so good. It feels so freeing. It hurts and it's awkward. And like, are you, am I going to look dumb now? Are you going to answer me? You know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But Len, if you wanted to share anything else before I ask my last question. No, I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I have my last question here and we can talk as much as you want because I want to say thank you first off for that part. Um, It's not easy to share that story and it's definitely not easy to um, walk us through the details. And um, 
being able to do that for others is so important because it's something I think I didn't even know I needed to hear it. You know, what a blessing it is. Um, so when you think of leaving a, leaving a legacy of love, what does it mean to you? You know, I, I think about that twofold, actually. For it. Yeah. Um, so the first part, and it goes right back to boundaries and keeping it real and having a relationship with God. And when I think about a legacy, I think about owning up to my own stuff, right? Mm. The most loving thing that I can do for my family and for my friends and for people around me is to be responsible for the things that I bring to the table. That's to make right. sure that I'm practicing confession and repentance and continual growth and this progressive sanctification and just showing up for people as the way that they need me to show up and not the way I want to show up only, mm. right? Mm. So that's one part. And then the second part, and I think it you can tell from like all my life choices, including having a tribe of children, is uh, <laughs> um, to be someone that helps others um, nurture their talents and, and thrive in their purpose. Like, I think that that should, should matter to all of us. Like, how do I help other people, how to help my children um, nurture their talents and help them be better people. What are they supposed to be doing in this world and how can I align with them so that they're successful? How can I serve them in a purposeful way? Um, and I, th I think, it, like I said before, it bleeds, right? Like I see that in my children, but I see that in my clients and I see that in my students and, and I, I see it in my research. And so for me, I think it is about owning up to our own stuff and seeing how we can serve others um, to be the best that they can be. That's so beautiful. I think like your second definition is clear, how you lay it all out. Um, we're not completely closed because I have one more follow-up for you. When you say owning your own stuff, when you think about this, <laughs> When you think about having responsibility and owning your stuff, when it came to this dynamic with, with your mom and this last, this decision, what kind of stuff did you have to own up to? And what kind of responsibility did you have to hold? Yeah. So for me, it was that uh, parentified savior complex that I can fix it. I can make it better um, and wanting to take care of her. So that was my own brokenness. That's that's a product of my own trauma, right? And mm -hmm. she's not going to fix that for me. Whether she created it or not, no, no, no. <laughs> she can't fix it. That now belongs to me. Um, and so in that sense, that that's the part that I had to deal with. You know, God, how do I get over this complex of trying to save, your, save her or parentify her? How do I let go of the responsibility of this? Mm. Yeah, that's huge. That's like, sorry, I think that's just like, it's very, like Rachel saying, it's huge because it, it makes you take yourself, like take an outside view of yourself. Like it's not just focusing on the other person, but now you got to focus on yourself and say like, you know, what, what it means to be done, you know, like what it's like, 
like you said, like taking that responsibility of your side of the situation. Um, and it's not always easy in those situations because as human beings, I think we just want to focus on the other person and highlight like, but I'm the victim here. I'm the one who's been hurt here. I'm the one who, you know, but I think that, um, but even in that, the Lord is so loving to say like, Hey, but let me, let me show you, you know, and my husband and I were just talking about this this week. Like you come to the Lord with, you know, you're frustrated with this other person and you come to the Lord and you're like, Oh, this person. And God's like, but what about you? And you're like, what about me? I'm perfect. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 no. there's some things we need to, we need to clean house here, you know? And, and some, but he's so loving about it. Like, that's the beautiful part is he's not just like, yeah, what about you? Like he comes and he's like, I know. And, but let's look at this first, you know? And, and it's, I think that's so beautiful that, um, like you said, it's so important to, to recognize that part of it. And I think it's knowing the father's voice, knowing the heart of the father and knowing him. And we get that by spending time with him. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I think, there have been people who tried to check me and um, give me direction. And, and, and this is not parents per se, but other people. And they tell me, oh, well, look at you. Look at how, how about you? And I'm like, and I feel bad and I feel condemned. But it's crazy because when the Lord does it, I feel a little bad because I don't like it. I don't feel condemned. I feel loved. I feel loved. And, and I think those are boundaries that the Lord has set up, right? He's like, I love you wholly, fully, all of it, but I'm not going to allow you to just be all this favor just so that you can oppress somebody else. Like, I want you free. I want them free. And so he's, he's going to, his voice is gentle and guiding. And that's, that's something that I think we can start to identify in the voice of our father and say, you know, like, hold on. God's telling me this and this is sa- he's safe. <laughs> he's mm-hmm. setting up these things so that I can I can be 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 healthy so I can love. Um it's so beautiful. Man. But Len, this is such a it's been such an amazing conversation. I don't know if you wanted to say anything else in in regard to this. I think that you want to leave with us on this topic of love and boundaries because you are just a well of knowledge and we're honored to have you. Any other thoughts? No more thoughts. I just want to say thank you so much for having me on here. I was very nervous about coming on, but you guys made it such a comfortable experience. And I, I'm just so grateful I got to be a part of it. Yeah. And I think you're, you're, we're honored to have you on so many levels, but you're an important voice in our community. You're an important voice because we as Christians often have a hard time fusing mental health and um, and, and our faith, you know, and looking at therapy and saying, hey, it's not the bad guy. They're not going to pump necessarily pump you up with drugs and make you hate your family. Like this is we can find this beautiful space of 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 finding healing and reconciliation. The Lord has given us this wisdom. And so your voice, your face, you speaking of this is so important and it's such an important conversation. So we honor you and we're grateful to have you out with any other thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, I got uh, distracted. <laughs> no I'm just saying I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> no, just know there's many ways you can get involved here at Until We Arise. So make sure you go to our website. It's uh, www.untilwearise.org. And there's volunteer opportunities, donation opportunities. We have Elia's Run Walk coming up. So make sure you're paying attention to that. And June 24th. June 24th. So make sure you're doing that. 
um, subscribe to our podcast. Make sure you're up to date on all of them. If you've missed any of them, go back, check them out. They've all been super good. And last but not least, until we arise, what won't change in our lives, in our families, in our communities, and in our world? Until, until we, we arise. <laughs> all right. Thank you.